Hi, I'm Howie. And I'm Allie. And this is the Ah Opinionated Podcast. It's Ah Opinionated. Well, that's one person's opinion. Uh, this week we are discussing The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien, but only the first chapter. Uh, but before that, just to give you a little bit of who we are and what we bring to the table for this podcast, this podcast is about discussing stories. Mm-hmm. So whatever... You know, wherever you might find a story, whether it's a movie, TV show, comic book, short story, song, poem, whatever. If it's a story, you know, we are liable to talk about it. Anything that we find interesting. Liable. Yeah. <laughs> um, Allie is an award-winning screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Produced um, as well. So there's a couple movies out that I have actually written. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a historian uh, and a film buff, um, but well, really a story buff in general, but really I love uh, films, comic books, you know, just general uh, nerddom, geekdom, stuff like that. And but, he loves researching everything. Yeah, anything that I find interesting, I'll just research it for no reason other than because I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has lots of useless information. Yeah. Which comes... In the play here, so yeah, it'd be really uh, if I ever got into Jeopardy, I'd probably do. I'd probably do all right as long as they didn't ask a bunch of math questions. Yeah. <laughs> but um, on with the show. Yeah, let's get started. So, first of all, like uh, we said in the trailer, but also in the introduction here, we're only discussing the first chapter of The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. And the first chapter is also called The Things They Carried. Um, so we're only discussing one chapter for two big reasons. Yeah, one is because... Uh, the Really, the first chapter of this book is by far the most interesting and um like it's the one that really uh gets our you know brains pumping Mm -hmm. with ideas and stuff but also uh because the whole book it's not really like a traditional narrative like really the book um is like a series of short stories that are linked together Mm -hmm. um and so trying to discuss like we're better off we'd be better off if we discussed like each chapter on its own as its own thing Mm -hmm. as its own story instead trying to examine the book because trying to break down a book that's organized in that way it would just it would go off in all kinds of different directions and it might be a little confusing yeah and some of the stories are told like out of order like they're not organized chronologically so Sometimes, like a person who is dead in one, in one chapter, like later on, there'll be a story where that person is alive, because um, yeah. that one happened. Because chronologically speaking, even though it happens later in the book, it actually happens before the one chapter. Uh, it gets it gets weird, but we'll get into that as we talk about, um, you know, the story, the book as a whole, and Tim O'Brien. So let's talk a little bit about Tim. Um, So he, his parents, um, 
His mom was a teacher and his dad was an insurance salesman and they met during World War II. So say he was a military brat. Um, and then he was anti-war, maybe for that reason, but he got drafted and um, instead of fighting it, he, he decided to protect the family name and just serve his time. Yeah, he, his initial reaction was to flee up to Canada like uh, a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so he served in Vietnam. Um, he, uh, uh, the highest rank he got was uh, sergeant back when it actually meant something. Um, well, I mean, you can't spend your entire career as a sergeant now. No, you, you really can't. You, you used to... Sp- you stick around too long and you get booted if you don't rank. Yeah, you used to be able to spend your entire career as a freaking specialist. You didn't even need to become an NCO or any or commission or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, in a lot of his early works, especially the story we're going to be talking about today, um, like really are drawn from his experiences in Vietnam. But he is a novelist and a short story writer. Uh, some of his other notable works are In the Lake of the Woods, which was uh, Time Magazine's uh, best work of fiction in 1994. Uh, the book, The Things They Carried, was a finalist for the uh, Pulitzer Prize and the National Book Critics Circle Award, as, as well as if I Die in a Combat Zone, Box Me Up and Ship Me Home, a Vietnam memoir. That's a famous cadence that doesn't really get used anymore because it's too triggering. Mm. (laughs) Like, literally, they don't uh, want to use any cadences that imply that you might actually get hurt in war. Yeah. I feel like all the ones that I did, like, were about murdering somebody. Well, it's not about like we can somebody or getting killed. Like, no, being a like, hero. No, they they still they still they're okay with doing cadences where you kill somebody, but not where you're getting killed. That's weird. Yeah, they also don't want My ones feelings. Yeah, that's they also don't want to do ones where, uh, like like they don't do oh Jody boy anymore. <laughs> you know, because because it implies that people are going to be cheated on mm. in the military. And they don't want to make people any more depressed. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, like whoever makes these rules, um, like clearly, uh, they either have never been lower enlisted, or they've, uh, or, or it's been so long that they've forgotten that like, really all you have as lower enlisted is dark humor. That's, That's true. It. Caffeine. Rage and dark humor. That's what that's what gets you through the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, his most recent novel is July July, and he is a he's currently a uh, professor and endowed chair at Southwest Southwest Texas State University, and where he teaches in the creative writing program. So it's very fitting. Yep. <clears throat> so. As we alluded to, the book as a whole is derived from his experiences in Vietnam. Uh, so we explained that the the book is like, essentially it's a series of different short stories all focused on this group of men mm-hmm. um, in this unit. Each, um, 
each uh, short story, each chapter is from a different person in the unit, their perspective of how they see things happening and going on, stuff like that. Um, and um, and it, it's what it's it's what makes the book. It's what makes the book good, but it also makes it really hard to break down mm-hmm. because there's no like narrative flow to it. Because um, I know this uh, particular story is supposed to be narrated by a fictional person with the same name of Tim O'Brien, which is weird. No. Um, <laughs> but the the first chapter is called the things they the things they carried. Um, which is obviously the same title as the book. Um, and yeah, that actually threw me a little bit. I kept like looking, like, is there another name for this entire book, or is it just the name for that chapter? Yeah. And evidently, it is both. They are both the same name. Yeah, a lot. Of th- any books that do that, where it's just a series of short stories, like linked, to, like basically like this. There's no real narrative structure. It's just a bunch of short stories. Mm. You know, kind of plopped on top of each other like that most most uh most of the time the title of the book is literally they just take one of the title chap titles of the chapters and just throw it on the cover like whatever one they feel uh like best represents the entirety of the book Mm. okay so uh but the first chapter um focuses on first lieutenant jimmy cross Mm -hmm. um and uh, he makes so it's important to note that he is a first uh, lieutenant, which means uh, still very uh, young in terms of uh, being in the army. Like it's the second lowest ranked commissioned officer, um, and so those guys, um, those guys in the Vietnam era when officers actually still you know, actually led instead of letting NCOs do everything while they do the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, like those guys were still expected to lead, even though they didn't really, a lot of them know what they were doing, mm-hmm. you know, cause a lot of officers get their commission from doing a ROTC program, you know, in college and a lot of the stuff that they learn is just theoretical. It's not really, it's, you know, it's not applicable, especially in a situation like Vietnam, mm-hmm. you know, where um, a lot of the time uh, our soldiers were facing a uh, just a completely irregular form of battle. And that was a big reason why Vietnam was such, you know, you know, such a shit storm. Because, like, we were trying to fight the war as if it was World War II. Um, but that's not how, you know, that's not how they fought. Mm-hmm. You know, they hid in the jungle. They had underground. They had basically had huge underground networks. You know, they didn't care about, like, borders on a map. You know, they would go, like, the Ho Chi Minh Trail led through, like, Laos and Cambodia, where they knew we couldn't go. Mm-hmm. But, like... They didn't care. You know, it's one of those things. It's like completely, um, completely offset um, values and and military theories. Just, you know, mix, not mixing and matching. And like 
when I teach the Vietnam War to my students, I try to explain to them like uh, whenever we got them in, whenever we got the North Vietnamese army and the Viet Cong into an open battle, like we, we slaughtered them. All right. But like, uh, but like a lot of the time we, you know, had to go looking for them in the jungle and that's where, um, and that's where they would get us a lot because they could ambush us because it's hard to keep formation in a jungle, mm-hmm. you know, especially during monsoon season. Where the rain, where we had we had big old fat rain. We had rain <laughs> that came up around our waist. Hi, Forrest. <laughs> Forrest Gump references two episodes in a row. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, we did do one reason of why we're doing this story. Did we do the second one? Yeah, the, I mean the fir- like yeah, the first reason was because we just find. The I first- didn't do my second finger, so I wasn't sure. Well, you weren't following along. I was following along. I'm right here. <laughs> well, then you were following from way back there. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, you just didn't outright say. Uh, yeah, and I didn't. B. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't list it. I just kept going. Yeah, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, just making sure our listeners are also understanding what's happening yeah i mean we probably lost most of them yeah like, oh this isn't a work I've, I've 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 read or heard about yeah next podcast <laughs> please please don't do that we yeah. promise it's it's a good story yeah, um it, is. it might uh if nothing else it might interest you to you know listen to the audiobook or something like that um yeah it's a I, quick read yeah i mean the first chapter yeah mm-hmm. i've so i had to read I had to read slash listen to the entire book for a class and I loved it. Um, but I also, but that's why I was like, no, we, we can't do the whole book. We had, we only can do like, like one chapter or like two chapters if it's for, or like if we, if we get uh, one of the characters who has multiple chapters, we can do all their chapters. But like when I pitched it, it was just the first chapter. Yeah. I did not pitch the full thing. Yeah, but in my yeah, in, I'm when I saying, pitched it, I didn't know it was a full book of yeah. a whole bunch of short stories. So yeah, but that's uh, my bad and also my good. No, but I was, uh, <laughs> and yeah, but I I informed you. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll do the we can do the first chapter. You're like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? It's a short story. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but like it's the first chapter of a whole book called yeah, I didn't know that. called the things they carried. Yeah. Um, For my classes, like, I had to do this book, not book, sorry, this story, um, a full review on it. So I didn't know there was more to it because I was never informed. Yeah, it's... uh, I had to branch out and find out and also hear it from you. Yeah, it's a really good book. It's just really hard to break down in a video format without taking, you know, five hours to, like, try to keep things... Organized. Yeah, organized, straight, whatever you want to... It's, it, it doesn't lend itself well to a, you know, to a podcast format. Mm-hmm. Um, but so do you want to get started with our, uh, brief, but not very brief. Okay. Uh, this summer? is a lot more brief. Yeah. It does not take an hour and a half to get no, through this. No, really. It, it shouldn't hopefully. But. <laughs> I mean, the story is about, um, Lieutenant Jimmy Cross and how he emotionally gets through war um, and he creates this relationship in his head with a female friend and it just kind of keeps him going 
I, I wouldn't say it's entirely in his head, but yeah, I mean, it's... They have it, some kind of cute moments, uh, according to him, but well, it's, definitely, it's not enough to go off of. Yeah, I mean, we'll get in... where he gets it. We'll, we'll get into this deeper. It's definitely unrequited. I don't yeah. think it's like... I, I don't think he's, like, constructing it in his head, where... Well, he says, but that didn't happen, or that's not really what's going on. Like, he confirms that you know this is not real but it's helping me through yeah i mean he fan like he like he fantasizes about a lot of stuff you know Mm -hmm. like like he imagines her walking on the jersey shore so he imagines himself walking with her Mm -hmm. on the jersey shore yeah and but it tries to escape reality yeah but um so but yeah and but while he's fantasizing about her he's not thinking about the war which is it's good it's good for him on a personal psychological level almost Mm. certainly but it's not good if you're in command of other people and Mm -hmm. they're depending on your survival and there's a total of 17 um i think that's including him so 16 people he's in charge of yeah so it's not good to zone out yeah in a hot zone and he's i mean he's leading them in combat too that's um like that's crazy that because like now a first and second lieutenant they're a company xo like an executive officer they don't do anything like mm-hmm. other than paperwork they don't they you know like they don't lead anything like even the best xo or uh uh you know platoon commander mm-hmm. you know like they don't actually lead you they tell you what to do mm-hmm. but like the nco pretty much does everything and and they do the paperwork i'm not like and, and if, if there are any former commissioned officers or current commissioned officers are going to be commissioned officers whoever listen to this um yeah I'm, i mean i'm not saying that that's the way it should be by all means lead take charge don't let the nco run your lives that's mm-hmm. your those are your soldiers Mm-hmm. Your your Marines, your sailors, your airmen, your uh, what Space Force people. Those are your Coast Guardians. Mm-hmm. Did I get them all? I think so. <laughs> you know, by all means, lead. Like if 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 anything, the you know commission officers need to do more mm-hmm. of the leading and less of the paperwork. Yeah. But what do I know? Mm-hmm. Nothing. You're just some guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so overall the story is about, like, the reason it's called The Things They Carried is because it is about, like, a huge chunk of the story is devoted to Jimmy Cross describing all the things that he and the other members of his squad, his, his platoon. Back then it was platoon. Well, yeah, but like in in your platoon, you still have firing squads. You know, you're second. I, you I know, I know. I'm explaining it to them, not okay. to you. <laughs> like you have you have squads, and then you have fire teams within the squads, and then yeah. But um. But in this, like they just they. But yeah, Jimmy um, Cross is in they charge. Said it was a platoon. Yeah, he's in charge of the whole platoon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's describing what the the things that they physically have to carry, but then also the emotional and mental things that they have to carry. With yeah, them. yeah, it's a see, it's a double entendre there. Mm-hmm. That's what we in the biz call 
foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just and so, um, and he also note notates throughout, like whenever he lists a physical item, even down to a single round of ammunition, he notates how much it weighs. Down to the ounce. Yeah, like. Um, he, you know, he says like a, uh, uh, seven, six, two millimeter round weighs 10 ounces full, mm-hmm. you know, lo- fully loaded with black powder. You just knew that off the top of your head. Nice. I, 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 I read the thing. It's, it's in there. It doesn't mean I remember that. Oh, well. I don't remember that detail. And he says the, um, he says the M240 machine gun, uh, Do it again? weighs 20, was, weighs 20 pounds, um, unloaded. And then, uh, and then, uh, I think he said 30 pounds, you know, 30 to 40 pounds fully loaded, which it was almost always fully loaded. <laughs> Impressive, sir. Um, but yeah, so, and that's kind of how you know that he's talking about a physical thing. Cause he actually notates the weight mm-hmm. and sometimes the measurement and like how it has to be handled. But then, like, he'll say things like, they shared the weight of memory. You know, they mm-hmm. took up what others could no longer bear. You know, there's no numerical uh, value to give to, to the burden of, like, trauma. Yeah. And things like that. So, you know. He'd but, probably know it if, if uh, there was. Yeah. He did not have a good time in Vietnam. No, he did not. Very, in fact, very few people did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Um, but yeah, do you have anything else on that? Um, it's just, you know, he, he knows what the weight is because he's physically carrying it. So like your rucksack, you know what you need, you know what you don't need, you know what you're stuck carrying that you don't feel is necessary, but you still do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and these guys carry things like they're, um, the 28 pound, uh, mine detector. They, you know, they... They know that they have to all share that burden and take turns carrying it. And it's probably only going to pick up, you know, shrapnel. But instead of worrying about what it could possibly pick up, they're bringing it with them just as, you know, that... It's out of habit. Yeah, or that mindset to feel safer, even though it might not work. Yeah. What if it does? Um, but yeah, so the story, like, in the story, even... You know, it doesn't really, it's it's not really told, again, like a narrative. It's more told as if, like, somebody was asking Jimmy Cross about his time in the war as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, or, like, asked him, uh, you know, like, when, like, how did he deal with the burden of command or something like that. And he just kind of gives this, you know, huge spiel of, a, of an answer to perfectly encompass you know encapsulate what it means to him you know to be in charge of other people and their lives so like Mm -hmm. there's not really i I wouldn't there's not there is sort of a beginning middle and end to this chapter but it's very diverting Mm -hmm. you know but that's also because Mm -hmm. i think that also kind of represents how jimmy cross you know kind of dealt with the war by diverting himself you know he definitely uh, tried to get out of it emotionally but and when things kind of go south, he 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 finally realizes he can't be that emotional anymore. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, so the story, the chapter starts out with him and his platoon essentially getting ready to, you know, go out on patrol. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're all getting their rucks together. Um, and again, this is where Jimmy is notating everything that he and everybody else has to carry. But he's he's also giving us some uh, character introductions and, and all these different characters make um, appearances throughout the book. Most of them get their own chapters where it's from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but and at the beginning, like literally he's just saying like we don't even like – we don't even know why we're rucking, but we're, you know, why we're, why we're doing the hoof, but we're hoofing it. You mm-hmm. know, we don't know why we're going out here, but we have to. Yep. Essentially, you know, they're just, they're just following orders. You know, he and everybody else is just following orders. Like they're told that they have to, you know, go explore this zone of the jungle. So they go explore this zone of the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they find, you know, uh, when they find a hole, that could be, you know, that, that could be a hole that uh, the Viet Cong use as part of their underground network. You know, they uh, there's only they investigate. Yeah, they have to. But like, uh, hen- like the the machine gunner Henry Dobbins, he's supposed to be like this massive human being. So he's the only one that doesn't have to get down on the hole and look. Everyone else, no way to get that guy back out. Yeah, everyone else draws straws, mm-hmm. and basically they hang him up. So, and this is true. Okay, like, and this is what makes um, the works of Tim O'Brien when he writes about Vietnam uh, so great is because, like, again, all this is true. Like, like you couldn't, you know, you, you had to take off your ruck. You couldn't, you know, point your rifle down. Basically, all you had was, you know, people had to put you in upside down into this hole, and all you had was a flashlight and a pistol. So if... The Viet Cong are down there waiting for you. Like you're probably dead. Nobody wanted that job. That's why they had to draw straws. Mm-hmm. And then um, he goes into detail about how, like, um, essentially, as they're as they're rucking, as they're marching, um, they 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 just drop stuff as they go on to make it to make the march more comfortable. Like rations, mm-hmm. toss them. They'll just you know grenades they'll just light them off and toss them yeah. not even have not even at someone they're just they're like they're just taking the weight off themselves so they don't have to carry it anymore and be- they know that there's going to be a resupply yeah they know every they know what regular intervals they're going to get a resupply so they know like okay this is useless now yeah i'm getting it again tomorrow yep so um whatever is uh it you know, so whatever I, you know, whatever I, I keep, what I need to sustain me until the next supply pickup, essentially, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and and then essentially they go back, like, um, but all the while Jimmy Cross, like, basically he just keeps zoning in and out, like he's not even really in command, like he kind of he he's just doing what he thinks commanders need to be doing, like he's sort he of randomly just gives him an order. Yeah, that like they're already doing. Yeah, he's like, "Hey guys, spread out." You know, mm-hmm. he's just trying to appear in charge, mm-hmm. um, and um, for the most part, um, like, for, but for the most part, he's he's acting like he's one of the boys. Yep. You know, he's one of the group, 
and uh, because when he's not giving them an order, when they're just marching, like he's just kind of in his own little world where he's thinking about um, this girl, yeah, this girl Martha, uh, who's going to college, who he, who she and her exchange letters, and he's. Um, you yeah. said she and her, by the way. <laughs> Continue. She well, and her. Well, they yeah. Well, now, now you got me all. Now, you, now, now he and she yeah, exchange letters. Yeah, they they exchange <laughs> letters. Uh, and I I don't know if I would go so far as to say that Jimmy is in love with her, but like he puts her up on a pedestal. He's infatuated. Yes, definitely. definitely. The definition of infatuated that is Jimmy. Yeah. Um. And again, we'll go he's, deeper into their relationship later. Yeah, but he just has this idea of who she could be for him. Yeah. And um, like she sent him a picture of herself and a pebble uh, to use as a good luck charm that he uh, puts in his mouth. Um, yep. To taste where she's been. Yep. And also closer to her. And to pretend that he's kissing her. Yep. That is her tongue. Yeah. Um, but ba- weird. yeah, it's, he basically uses it to like, you know, it's all the good things about her, yeah. you know, and, um, like when he first, uh, introduces her into the, uh, um, part of the story, he's talking about licking the envelope where she licked. Yeah. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. That's where he's at with her. Um, but all of a sudden, um, they get into a, uh, like, well, actually, no. So before they get into a firefight, like, they're just kind of, you know, after they check a hole, this guy, Ted Lavender, another guy in the platoon, um, uh, he's everybody's best friend, and we'll explain why. <laughs> um, like, they're, um, you know, they're, they're, pulling a, um, they're pulling someone out of the hole that they just checked, and everyone's, like, kind of calm down, like, okay. Oh, we're good. And then Ted Ted Lavender uh, gets shot by a sniper. You want to talk about how, like, the scenario? Mm, he just right got now. done peeing yeah. and all that? Yeah, I mean, he, he went to the bathroom, and when he was coming back, he like... He said he had uh, taken a tranquilizer? Yeah. Yeah, like... And he, he uh, was... died with tranquility. Yeah, like they're, they're like, he didn't feel a thing. Mm-hmm. He, he was so high. Mm-hmm. He was so high, it's fine. Mm-hmm. He didn't feel a thing. Good old Ted. Teddy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Ted, you're giving sad eye. <laughs> it's the only eye I've got. <laughs> Good so, old Scrubs. Yeah, that's a Scrubs reference for anybody who didn't doesn't know that. Yeah. Ted, Ted in Scrubs, Ted is probably my favorite non-main character. Every time he's on screen, I'm probably laughing. It's yeah, every single time yeah. I've only seen you laugh whenever he's on. Yeah. But um, usually it's just an expression he's giving. Um, but yeah, so Ted Lavender dies, and it kind of changes, um, Jimmy Cross's outlook on things. Like he realizes, like, oh shit, I haven't been doing my job. I've been zoned out, and they've been needing me. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, like, I'm the one that's supposed to be in charge here. What am I doing? Yep, I'm going to take yeah. full blame of this. I'm going to get my, my stuff together. Yeah, and he, so he throws the pebble away, and he burns the pictures and the letters from Martha, 
and and basically and like when they get back to camp like he he com, you know he changes his demeanor entirely like he doesn't like he goes he, from like their best friend to like their dad yeah like he starts giving orders in a in a flat direct tone mm-hmm. like you know actually like actually ordering somebody not like okay guys well we got to go do this like yeah, you nope. know the routine let's get to yeah. it yep like nope jensen uh Jensen, you're doing this. Yep. Dobbins, you're doing this. Sanders, you're doing this. Yep. You know, so um, it's uh, so again, it just changes his demeanor entirely. Like he's determined to try to be a good leader for these guys. Yeah, and um, he uh, considers Martha a distraction, and he has to get rid of the distraction. No yeah, more zoning out and being away from his guys. Yeah, and and the reason why this is. You know, for those who never served in the military, the reason this is also another big deal because uh, there's a very good chance that he's that as a second or as a first lieutenant, he he's one of the youngest people in the platoon. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's he said he was 24, but I don't know the ages of anybody else. Mm, 24, yeah. I mean, he's probably older than all the privates yeah. and stuff like that, but like. He's probably a lot young. He's probably about the same age as a bunch of the E fours. Well, it's didn't it say a lot of them were specialists. I believe yeah. I read that they're mainly specialists. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like that's so what I'm saying. Like that, I mean, they're not much younger than him, but they they should be younger than him. Well, I'm saying like the specialists, he's probably around the same age as. But like the sergeants, like the NCOs, he's probably he's probably younger than mm-hmm. and. A lot of guys have an issue taking orders from somebody younger than them, both mm-hmm. in the military and in like the real world in general. Yep. You know, um, so I'm not I'm not I'm not too big to say that I haven't been uh, that I've never had an issue with that. But yeah, yeah. You know, so. Um, but yeah, so eventually, um, you know they one of the last things that happens it uh like really the last thing that happens is him like burning all the stuff um like in terms of what happens chronologically like one of the last things that happens is him burning all of her stuff uh and and just and giving orders to the guys Mm -hmm. but like one of the last things that happens in the narrative well not in the narrative but like in the chapter is like this firefight that they get into that like once they're you know uh that like uh everyone's like is it over mm-hmm. like like seriously it's all it's kind of almost like out of like tropic thunder almost where they're all just like poking their head up over stuff like huh? it are we alive do we get them? It's like straight, or it's might even be straight up out of Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Did I get them? Mm-hmm. Did I get them? Mm-hmm. You know, and basically, you know, they're all kind of like scared stiff. But then, um, who was it? Was it uh, was it Dobbins that said that he almost shit himself? I don't know because I know that um, Cross says that they well not the Cross, but the narrative says that they. Um, they all kind of back and forth depending on the mission that they all kind of say that thing. And then somebody always rebuttals with the same thing. Yeah. Like eventually I myself. Oh, well you didn't. Yeah. Whenever they get into a fight, like, 
like one of them always breaks the tension. Yeah. Someone, you know, someone says something like one of the examples is I almost shit myself or another one said uh, almost cut me a new asshole. We're yeah. probably... Yeah, we're, it seems like they say kind of the it consistently. They know what they're going to say, and they always laugh. And once uh, it eases the tension, like everyone else feels like they can laugh about it too. Mm-hmm. Like there needs to be that initial ice break, and then everyone else everyone else can laugh about it. Mm-hmm. And then you know if somebody dies, um, they're all just like, "There it is." Like, and then as soon as one person says it, everyone, like, they're all like, there it is. There it is. Mm -hmm. There it is. You know, there it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. uh, They they add more cuss words into it that I'm, I don't want to, you know, we're already, uh, you know, we're already going to get dinged for saying already. But, um, but yeah, um, and so, yeah, like, in these the you know that instance really goes to show kind of like the kind of stuff that these guys just have to get used to like it becomes part of their daily lives to just have to fight and survive and all this stuff yeah but it also um, circles back to having to have dark humor in order to survive mentally emotionally all that yeah um so yeah like that's about it for the as far as the story goes for the first chapter which was actually kind of brief yeah um again like it might sound meandering and confusing and like you might you might be sitting there thinking like well what even happened like you didn't even give me like a plot or anything and i don't know i like like i said like there's no there's not really a precise begin beginning middle and end with this like it's like i said it's really seems like it's meant to be uh, the character Jimmy Cross just remembering his time in Vietnam, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, do you have anything to add about you know the story, like, or that did we miss anything? Do you think? Not really. I mean, I feel like we hit everything, minus like the strange things that they carry. And yeah, we'll talk about that when we talk. To? Yeah, when we talk about the characters. Okay. Um, do you want to get into the characters or? Yeah, that's what's next. Thank you for saying that. Do you want to? As in, can you now? Yeah, now's good. Mm-hmm. Proceed with the chlorophyll. Chlorophyll? More like borephyll. It's getting there. Wow. Truth comes out. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. So obviously the first, the main character of this chapter of the book and the short story is first Lieutenant Jimmy Cross. Um, not much to say other than what's already been said. Uh, you know, he's, you know, he, he doesn't want to be in Vietnam. You know, his feelings probably, you know, his, a lot of what he thinks and feels probably reflects. What Tim uh, feels. Yeah. What Tim O'Brien felt. Cause Tim, absolutely hated the vietnam war still does like you know just thinks it was a colossal waste of time money lives effort all that stuff um and i do not disagree uh but so but a lot of i can see a lot of jimmy's feelings um basically just being a reflection of tim's based on what tim says 
uh, Tim has said in interviews and stuff. Um, so obviously the biggest thing about Jimmy Cross, as we talked about, is, you know, Martha. Now, Martha, we have listed as a character, but she doesn't really officially, you know, in person appear. Like, she appears in Memories and Fantasies of Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, again, I wouldn't go so far as to say he's in love with her, but like uh, like uh, Ali said, um, a deep infatuation, definitely. Like, he has this idealized version of her in his mind where, They're you know, in love and... Yeah. What have you. Yeah, they're in love. They're go- they're going for walks on the beach. She's a virgin and she's saving herself for him and all this stuff. And it's an ideal that like no person could live up to. Mm-hmm. And but he, but the thing is like Jimmy you also see is kind of completely aware of this. Like him and Martha go on a few dates, but like you know, he gra- you know, he, he puts his hand on her knee and she just kind of looks at him like, you know, why? Yeah. And, 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 you know, so he pulls his leg off, but he still remembers it fondly because he got to touch her knee. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and like they've kissed, but like there was like no passion in it for her, you know? So, so yeah, like he's aware that like this love is is unrequited. Like she doesn't feel the same way about him as he does about her. Well, he believes he didn't really man up enough for her to give it a shot. So he's yeah. kind of kicking himself. Like I should have done this. I should have done that. Like we would be together right now if I could have just done this and you know actually gone through with it. That's true. Instead That's of true. backing off. That's true. And then also you, you get the feeling that Martha probably thinks Jimmy's like a pretty good guy because mm-hmm. like she's willing to go on dates with him. She's willing to write him letters while he's overseas and send pictures of herself. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, so like, but all, some people might read it and think she's leading him on. I don't think that I think she I, I think she's like, ah, he's a good guy. Like, he, like she is the only real connection to home. And so she stands by that to help him get through it. Yeah. Um, but again, um, it's just this idealized version of her that he has that, like, even if, you know, he got her to agree to be with him, like, she could never live up to the vision of his, of her that he had in his mind. Yeah, she's just going to disappoint him. Yeah. Not because, not even because she's like a bad person we don't know we never actually meet martha mm-hmm. just that just because jimmy has her so high, high up on a like yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so high up on a pedestal there's no way she could you know amount to the vision of martha that is in his head so mm-hmm. um and you know do you think that covers jimmy and martha or is there anything else you want to say about those two that's pretty spot on okay so this chapter, you also get an introduction to many of the other characters in the platoon that uh, also make appearances throughout the book, and some get their own chapters and all this stuff. Um, and when we, you know, uh, talk about them, they're going to be, um, you know, the, like they're also going to be like part of how Jimmy 
like ha- notates them in his brain is like with the thing, the personal items that they carry along with them in their rucksack. Mm-hmm. Um, so first we have Dave Jensen and the big thing that Jimmy picked out about him is that he's like, he's kind of like the clean freak, like, like yeah. pra- almost like practices almost too much field hygiene where like everyone else is like, you know, we don't like, you don't have to like bathe. You don't have to, you know, yeah, like wipe brings, yourself down every he day. Brings soap that he got from um, a bed and breakfast, I think it was. Yeah. Um, was that Australia? Austria? He was an A. But yeah, like he got it while they were out. Um, you know, um, and like that's the most important thing he wanted to bring with them was soap. He wanted to have that with him. Um, and it has like a fancy smell. Yeah, like the the soap you're supposed to use, like it's if fragrance free, so you can't be identified. Yeah, and even if you, uh, and most people just use like wipes, like you literally just wipe yourself yeah. with like body wipes. You know, mm-hmm. don't it's even use soap, soap anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, and all kinds of other stuff, toothpaste, all of it. Yeah. Um, it's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, next we have Harry Dobbins, Henry Dobbins, sorry, uh, Henry Dobbins. Probably was Harry. Yeah. Henry Dobbins, uh, you know, we mentioned him before. He's just this massive human being. He's the one that has to carry around the machine gun all the time because it's so heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, I imagine him as being basically Arnold Schwarzenegger's Dutch mm-hmm. and Predator. Yeah. You know. Except he doesn't talk like this. <laughs> Stick around. Uh-huh. It's pretty good. Oh. You know. Um, but yeah, so the so Henry carried... Uh, Jimmy n- noted that Henry always carried extra rations, you know, so he could eat more. Because again, massive human being. Uh, and he also noted he was particularly fond of peaches and heavy syrup and pouring that over some pound cake. So much galleries. Yeah, well, big guy. Yeah, I mean, the army doesn't. It's not real food. It's just calories made to look like food. That's true. Um, the thing that he most associated him with was his girlfriend's pantyhose being wrapped around his neck as a comforter. Yeah, which, look, some people might find weird, but it's no more weird uh, than some of the other stuff these guys are carrying. It's no more weird than Jimmy putting a pebble. In his mouth and pretending it's Martha's tongue. Okay? (laughs) Like, you know, it is what it is. All right? You do what you got to do, you know, to mentally survive the stuff. Mm -hmm. All right? Like, I'm not condemning it. I'm not condoning it. Mm -hmm. All right? Yeah, it's pretty weird, but, you know. You do you. Just lead me out of it. Yeah. Um, Mitchell Sanders uh, is the uh, radio transmitter, radio operator. Um, so this guy, you know, that radio is heavy. Well, yeah, back then the radio's friggin' massive. Was it like 30 pounds? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he basically had to carry that, uh, you know, along with his ruck, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, a standard ruck is like 60 pounds, mm-hmm. something like that, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and then the radio, you know, like, problem being a radio operator is like you're a target all the time yeah. someone sees you operating that radio you're like they get a good shot at you you're you're Joe comms. yeah um but 
Mitchell, um, he carried around brass knuckles, you know, because yeah. uh, I guess he's a 1950s gangster. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to come to Vietnam, she, <laughs> and punch you in the face, she. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess he's also... Um, so the other the weird thing that Mitchell carries around is condoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and you asked you thought you you asked me why he uh, carried condoms along with him in the jungle or in Vietnam. And I'm like, well, during the Vietnam yeah during the Vietnam War, <laughs> lots of Vietnamese people were very very poor because we were destroying their country. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Vietnamese women. Uh, sold their bodies uh, for um, for American money. Well, I mean, why would he carry it on his person when he's literally like shooting at other people? Like, why well, would because he be they carrying make... that with him whenever he was having like downtime? Or well, something? they make they make they make stops in villages and stuff. You yeah. know, like like it's not just jungle you know they they do stop in villages and stuff like they burn one village to the ground because that's the village where the shot that killed ted, ted lavender came from mm. yeah you remember that mm-hmm. yeah um it's like the we... biggest thing in the whole entire story so yes i do remember it yeah um so uh norman bowker um he carried a diary, but he also didn't. Is didn't he also carry like a fully illustrated uh, New Testament? Um, pretty sure that was Norman. I thought that was um, the Native American. No, the Native American carried the carried a hatchet. Oh, yeah, that's you're right. My bad. Um, <laughs> I'm stupid. Uh, so, no, you're not. so it's a lot of people to keep. Straight, so like yeah, I mean, there's nothing really. So some of these guys, like they're just introduced. There, you're not really told like much about them. Like uh, Norman Bowker, like the only thing Jimmy really notes about him is that he carries a diary everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's really it. Rat Kylie, um, he carries uh, he carries comic books, uh, brand brandy, the alcohol, not you know the pop artist from the '90s. Um, Vietnam? Keep going. See what I deal with here, people? Saying dumb things. So unsupportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, brandy and M&M's candy. Now, I, I've had brandy and I've had M&M's, and nothing about the taste of either of those makes me think that they go well together. <laughs> so, I'm rat, sure he's not popping and drinking. Yeah. So, rat, I mean, maybe. Uh, rat Kylie. Uh, you do you, man. Mm-hmm. I met so I so I imagine that he's called Rat because he you know um, he goes into uh, MREs to steal the candy because that's called like in the army uh, that's called Rat effing. I'm not gonna say the full word, but you get the picture. Mm-hmm. Like that's called Rat effing an MRE, like going in taking out all the good stuff, leaving the stuff that nobody wants, mm-hmm. like the pound cake. Mm-hmm. Or the stale bread, or whatever. Um, so I imagine that's why he's called Rat. Mm. Um, could be, could be. He, he might be. It's been a while since I read the whole book. Mm. But um, so next is uh, Kiowa, who is a 
He's a Native American and a devout Baptist who carries around a fully illustrated uh, New Testament. Um, that he got from his father. Yeah, and you know who taught Sunday school in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And the other cool thing that he carries around is his grandfather's uh, feathered hatchet. Mm-hmm. Um, now Kiowa feels like he gets treated poorly by the by the platoon because he's Native American. I mean they. Definitely give him crap and call him an Indian. Yeah. Or a um, dumb Indian, I think it was. Um, any re- any reference to dumb Indian is made towards Kiowa. Um, but I also think it's kind of made about that, uh, that like, nursery rhyme. You know, one little, two little, three little Indians. You remember, you remember that from a kid? You know, you didn't have a childhood. She doesn't. She, do, she doesn't watch cartoons. She doesn't know any cartoons, people. Any. Am I am I lying? I know some cartoons. Mm-hmm. I pull up some all the time. Yeah, for our daughter. Yeah. Not for you. Because I know what they are. I've heard of them. You've heard of them. <laughs> I had to, like, she did. This isn't about me. We'll talk about me a different time. Maybe in our bonus features, Spotify's uh, subscription. She didn't know that Popeye's arch nemesis was Bluto. So? <laughs> Continue. Tragic. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there's this old nursery rhyme. You know, um, you know, it's... One little, it's, two little, three little. Yeah, it, like it's, and I think, Apparently. I think they're, I think uh, they're referencing that as well because it's basically like them referencing the fact that like, you know, they're just all trying to be good, you know, all of them are trying to be good little Indians for the government and just <gasps> go follow the orders. Mm-hmm. Um, next is uh, Lee Strunk. Um, he carried a slingshot. Um, which he referred to as his weapon of last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, not much is said about Lee other than that. Um, but again, he, he does get his own chapter later on. Um, uh, so the last character that we're introduced to in the first chapter is uh, Ted Lavender, who we mentioned gets shot. Now, we saved till now to really dig into his character because... Um, I, yeah, I mean, we, so he's everybody's best friend because he's the platoon drug dealer. Mm-hmm. And there are tons of references throughout the chapter um, about people in the squad, you know, smoking dope. Um, and, and that was a huge thing during Vietnam. Like lots of guys, lots of soldiers, American soldiers over there were getting high all the time. You know, not just like like mar like marijuana, you know, amphetamines, um, they wanted heroin. To escape where they were forced to go. Yeah, like whatever they could get their hands on, they were doing over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but and Ted Lavender is like the the platoon dealer. Like he's 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 got the drugs. Like he has, um, he has the tranquil. You know, he has freaking tranquilizers. Mm-hmm. All right, like that's some heavy stuff. Like he deals regular dope to everyone else, but he takes tranquilizers for himself because he is like he, you know, he's kind of like he admits to himself that he's kind of a coward. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's 
uh, probably drafted, didn't want to be there, um, but he's making money on the side, you know, by dealing drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, while mo- while pretty much the whole platoon is investigating a VC hole, uh, Ted goes in to take a pee, and when he comes back, like, he's still zipping up his pants and he gets shot in the head. And um, so one key phrase that keeps popping up throughout is just, is basically whenever somebody dies, they're just like, there it is, 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 there it absolutely is, Mm -hmm. you know? And so Ted dies and they all note how like tranquil he looks, you know, a pun. Yeah. It's pun on tranquilizer because he was high when he got shot and they're all like, hey, probably didn't even feel a thing. He's fine. He's Mm -hmm. fine. You know, but then. Uh, they burn the they burn the village that you know that shot him to the ground uh, as vengeance, which you know happened a lot, unfortunately. Uh, you know, if a, if a squad of soldiers were going through a village and that village made them mad, they just burned it to the ground. It's not a it's not a good thing. Um, but yeah, and after he dies, pretty much everyone ro- you know roots through his stuff uh, to to basically take his dope and, and smoke it. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, well, that is until um, Jimmy kind of comes to realize that he needs to be the leader, and he ends up burning it. Once Jimmy decides to be become a real leader, prevents them from getting high anymore. So, what are some things you like, didn't like, whatever order, both, neither? I'm what do you want to do? I don't think I didn't like anything. I think it was an overall pretty good story that moved along all the way through like there was no slow parts there was no fast parts it was just same pace all the way through so um no complaints for me um things i liked i I feel like the writing was pretty pretty dang good um like i felt engaged throughout um and the the word usages at times really really got I feel like you uh, thought the same thing yeah um, really um, the only thing I kinda don't like and about you know not just this chapter but the book as a whole is that there's no real narrative structure mm-hmm. um, I would I think I would appreciate more of a story, um, but I also understand that that's not what Tim is going for. Like, he's going for, you know, like this is what I saw. Yeah, he's going for extreme realism. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, this like his this this whole book, it reminds me of like, um, Full Metal Jacket meets. Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. like how Saving Private Ryan it focuses on one squad, mm-hmm. you know, and those guys clearly, those characters clearly know each other really well. Mm-hmm. They've been fighting, doing the same stuff together. You know, they're like, you know, literally, you know, they're they're as close as family in that movie. Even if they go off, you know, when when they you know had they lived, spoiler alert for. Saving Private Ryan, if you're one of the eight people that haven't seen it. Um, 
But yeah, if they had lived, like they might not have seen each other ever again for the rest of their lives, but they still would have felt that closeness because of what they went through. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get. You get that same feeling um, in this, not just this chapter, but the, the book. Um, Feel their camaraderie. Yeah. But then also combined with like that sort of um, like the almost cynical brutality of you know from full metal jacket you know how they make jokes about you know they, they like they turn you know killing vietnamese people into like a joke or almost like uh like something that they want to do not something that they have to do mm-hmm. you know so just like i said that brutal cynicism that full metal jacket um presents combined with that um that camaraderie from and there's still camaraderie in Full Metal Jacket, definitely. It's just, you know, but like uh, the core of the story in Saving Private Ryan is the camaraderie, that band of brothers, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's what this this story, you know, the things they carried and the whole book reminds me of. Um, but yeah, I did. I still would have liked. You know, more of a narrative structure, but it's a, it's still great. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't like take anything away. I don't think it's just something. You know, maybe that's just my brain. Um, but again, I, you know, as a historian, I love the realism. I, you know. You know the the dark humor and coping mechanisms. That's something that anybody who's spent five minutes in the military understands. Um, or and, really anybody who has any form of trauma. Yeah, that's true too. Um, but also, um, like, like you can tell, Tim O'Brien has very strong feelings about Vietnam. He hated being there. He hates when people try to make it sound like a good war or an honorable war in the same vein as like world war two, you know, mm-hmm. um, he's famous for, uh, like a quote he said about his, like he said, my hometown, you know, uh, middle of nowhere. That's, you know, that was just, you know, covered in blind ignorance about the war, you know, just wanted to, you know, basically, Yay, America, let's go beat the commies. You know, the the kind of... He he says those... He said... I'm not saying this. He said that those are the kind of people that got us into the war. Um, You know, he said that those are the kind of people that, like, can't spell Hanoi if you spotted them three vowels. Mm -hmm. Um, For those who don't know, Hanoi only has five letters, three of which are vowels. So, it's 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 actually a pretty good joke. Um, And Hanoi was the capital of uh, South Vietnam so capital of North Vietnam is Ho Chi Minh City alrighty then I'm pretty sure I might be wrong I don't know so. I know you don't I'm just I'm just saying I'm just saying that for anybody who's listening I'm I might be wrong about that it's late it's let getting, us know in the comments yeah, it's getting late I might be wrong about that. I might be. I know the capital of North Vietnam was renamed Ho Chi Minh City, but it, I don't. I'm not sure if it was renamed from being Hanoi. But uh, it's getting late, so the 
Um, but yeah, like I really like the story. Um, it's one of those things where there's not a lot, like, you know, like you get the sense that the story takes place over the course of like a couple weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really, but there's really not a lot to the story itself, but there's just so much you can talk about. Yeah. It's very, it's not dense, but it's very, you know, it, it's, it gives you a lot to think about in such a short, short, uh, page counts short word count all that stuff i mean it was a decent read but yeah like it stuck with me so whenever i presented it to him i knew he would be on board and long and behold he was um i know that that i wanted to address some stuff like uh, i went through a lot of reviews for this book and there's people who they overall like the story but they don't understand like where they're at like why they're there and what's going on like why do they feel the way they're feeling what are they going through why is this happening to them like i know i'm sure some of them just have never been in a war zone and that or heard about or watched anything with the war zone so they're not 100 percent, or they just don't know their history um so and then i know that tim also says some of it is fictional um, like his character that he plays as the narrator, like he is fictional, so he doesn't want to say what's actually real and what's not. Um, but I know a lot of people were complaining that you know it's not um, something that they completely understand. Yeah, even but even when it's not real, it's very realistic. Mm-hmm, like you can really totally is. believe it. Yeah. Um, but, like, as far as, like, people not knowing their history, like... That's all over um, the place right well, now. Yeah, I mean, like, when I'm teaching my students, like, I teach U.S. history currently. And, like, once we get done with World War II, there's very little time left before, they're bas- before they basically stop... T- before they tell us to stop teaching and start prepping them for end of end of year exams mm-hmm. so i i have next to no time to cover hardly anything it's really mattered to yeah about the mod about the modern world mm-hmm. you know like so Cause they don't know a lot of things that they should know yeah and so in like high school it's a you know i didn't learn a lot about the vietnam war well really i mean i so I didn't start getting... I knew the Vietnam War happened, mm-hmm. but, like, I didn't start learning things about it until high school, but I didn't really start learning, like, a in lot depth. of... De- yeah, in-depth material until college, mm-hmm. you know. And I've, um, like, I've read a lot about it. Um, I know Ken Burns gets a lot of flack, um, you know, but he... I think his... Um, his his i think he made like a 10-part documentary series like he did about baseball he did that but about vietnam and Mm. it's like even if you know ken burns isn't always um accurate or likes to drama dramatize things a lot you know sometimes brings on people whose accuracy can't always be trusted but like it really it does you know it's still you know, it get, it's a good starting place. Like, it, you know, it gives you people to look up, you know, both authors and soldiers and stuff like that. And 
you know, and, and commanding officers who fought and stuff like that. So, um, but so the, the probably the best, one of the best history books I ever read about the Vietnam War we have on our bookshelf. It's called uh, The Elephant and the Tiger. It's based on a quote from uh, Ho Chi Minh, you know, the leader of North Vietnam, mm-hmm. um, who basically, you know, he equated us to an elephant, like this slow, you know, this kind of slow lumbering creature that like, you know, it's extremely powerful, but like, um, but basically he said that, um, like a tiger cannot kill an elephant unless the elephant stops walking. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what we did. Cause like we call it the Vietnam war, but Congress never declared war. Like we haven't declared war on anybody since world war two. Um, Korea, uh, Vietnam, uh, both Iraqs, Afghanistan, um, Kosovo back in the Clinton administration. Like those are all like basically police actions or the president, the various presidents just sending troops into places without congressional approval, but then Congress just gives them money and support anyway without officially declaring war it doesn't make any sense but that's how history works but um but yeah so like it was the vietnam war was considered a police action and so nor the the country of vietnam was separated between north and south and essentially like most of the fighting that we did was either along that dmz that border between north and south or like in the jungles of South Vietnam. Like we bombed the crap out of North Vietnam, but we never really sent soldiers into North Vietnam other than like, you know, black ops types of, types of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. that the general public doesn't know about, you know, that got declassified with the Pentagon Papers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's, and, and that's essentially the, the elephant and the tiger analogy. That's essentially what happened. Like, we stopped moving, so we allowed ourselves to be, you know, to, to be killed by, you know, by tigers. And, you know, and it's, uh, you know, like I said, the book, I, for, I forget the name of the author off the top of my head, but it's uh, easily the best, the best book about the history of the Vietnam War that I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know of any others or know of any good ones, you know, by all means, uh, let me know. And I'll uh, add it to my ever-growing reading list, but um, but yeah. So um, I'm not even sure what my original point was why I started talking about that, but it's, it's okay. all good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, like the the that's why the but the story is great because like you know or even like uh, like the part where they're just ditching their stuff to make the ruck easier Mm -hmm. because they know they're going to get resupplied anyway. Like, uh, I don't like, I'm sure that happened. Um, but that just goes to show like the total, like the, the amount of waste that the, you know, that the military industrial complex goes through. Mm -hmm. Like I've seen it personally, you know, like when I was in Korea, um, we had vehicles that were completely gutted. Like, all the stuff that made the vehicle work was completely uh, taken out. 
you know, but we still had to do quote unquote motor maintenance on them. Like even though they were just husks Mm -hmm. of vehicles and like whenever it got brought up, like, Oh, what, what should we, should we just scrap these vehicles? They never would because then those vehicles get taken off the maintenance budget. And so they, you know, so we had to continue to run ma- uh, maintenance on, you know, es- or on dead vehicles, essentially. Like, uh, you know, that's time, money and resources. Yeah, it's the kind of, you know, it's the kind of stuff, you know, that the military is great at. You know, mm-hmm. if you're, um, you know, um, but uh and that was a big thing in vietnam we never ran out of you know bombs or bullets but it didn't matter you know because the vietnamese you know who'd have thunk they knew their country better than we did mm-hmm. you know and they um like all those bombs ever did with you know because like basically the the navy and the air force and the army air corps would uh bomb the crap out of like you know of a grid of jungle and but because they were hiding underground it didn't do anything mm-hmm. all that did was tell the vietnamese soldiers that where? event well that eventually that's where american soldiers would be marching through mm-hmm. you know and that and you know it got to a point where guys who spent a lot of time over in vietnam like it got to a point where they could almost sense an ambush about to happen like they you know they literally told guys like if you feel like an ambush is about to happen it's probably about to happen mm-hmm. you know so um but yeah uh but, oh right yeah as far as like the teaching of history like people just don't like modern a lot of people just don't understand like why we were even in vietnam yep. you know and like honestly like for no good reason, like we were there to fight communism, supposedly. But like, hey, if some, in my opinion, if someone wants to make the stupid decision to convert to communism, like, let them. The, you know, I've, you can you can vote your way into communism, but yeah, shoot your way out. Mm-hmm. But um, but is you know, but really, it was just you know, it was this idea of. You know, all these, the, the idea of the domino theory that all these Southeast Asian countries were so um, vulnerable to communism because of Russia and China. Yeah. Um, that if one fell to communism, that they would all fall. And because Laos and Cambodia were also, like, Cambodia just had a communist revolution or around that time period. And, uh, you know, Vietnam was obviously having one too. And basically we wanted to do for Vietnam what we did for South Korea, which is, you know, which essentially meant create two different, you know, countries and stuff. But like problem was that, um, the South Vietnamese government was extremely corrupt and almost as authoritarian as the communists up North. But the South Vietnamese military, like, even though we were training them and supplying them, like, they didn't actually want to fight that much. Mm -hmm. Like, as soon as we left, like, the South Vietnamese military just completely collapsed. Like, they didn't actually want to 
fight against the communists because, you know, they didn't like, you know, their government. They didn't feel that strongly about their own country enough to actually want to fight for it, you know, so. Um, and, but yeah, so in the reviews, like, you know, and we're not talking about like, um, like, when we say reviews, we're talking about like regular people reviews, not like book critic reviews and stuff like that. Those, yeah. You know, so that that's why we that's why some people don't know. Uh, I, I assume most book critics are educated enough to know about Vietnam. Mm. Um, but reg, a lot of regular people just don't know because like, honestly, it's such an embarrassing, you know, it's, it's just a massive black eye, you know for us one of many yeah. you know um that uh like oh a lot of uh you know a lot of media doesn't want to talk about it um not a ton of movies are made about it you know because it wasn't a good war mm-hmm. we didn't win you know like um i mean there was a lot of Viet- movies about vietnam made in the 80s but since then, um, there was Tigerland starring Colin Farrell. We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson. Uh, there's probably others, but like those are the big ones that stick out in my mind. And Tigerland wasn't even that good, or at least I'm not even gonna say it wasn't that good. It wasn't. It just wasn't that big. Yeah, it wasn't you know, that big. You know, um, I mean, there are more movies being made there are more movies now being made that are looking at like world war one now than vietnam mm-hmm. you know um because world war one now at this point it's like so old it's new you know mm-hmm. you you got the remake the netflix just remade uh, all quiet on the western front um and then you had that movie 1917 mm-hmm. um steven spielberg did war horse you know, a few years ago. When I say a few years ago, I mean like ten, something like that. Um, like, um, but yeah, it's so. Um, a lot of people just don't know about Vietnam, and again, the way the school year is structured, like, um, and the way curriculums are structured, like, I can't. I'm not allowed to like, you know, just skip stuff that I don't think is important because honestly, the thing is like. Even if I think something, like, personal thing about me, I hate Industrial Revolution stuff. I think it's boring. But maybe one of those kids thinks it's really interesting, all the stuff that gets invented, all the effects it has on, you know, the country and the economy. And, you know, maybe that sparks them getting into history or whatever. That's that's fine, but, like, but that's my thing. I can't, um, I can't choose to skip it just because I don't like it. You know, like, I can't skip things... You know, just because, you know, I think they're not important. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it leaves me very little time to talk about stuff that I think are really important. You know, yeah. so I so I don't really uh, get to the Cold War or the Civil Rights Movement or Vietnam or, sure. you know, or, you know, just so much important stuff that happens after World War Two that I just don't have the time to get to. And. Um, but if I, yeah, but if I was able to, like, I'd have them read, um, you know, I'd I'd probably, I'd, you know, I'm not sure I would have them read this whole, this whole short story, this whole chapter, but maybe part of it, you know, 
because it's you know it's well, pretty long. Yeah, mm. but also it's just you know, but it, it it's a good way of summing up sort of Vietnam in kind of a nutshell. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's everything, unless you have something else. No, I did a whole lot of talking. I was hoping you'd have something. So. <laughs> nope, right. I have nothing. All right, well, um, so we've already, so it took us a minute to decide to do this, but we already have our next video planned. We are going to be doing. Shh, don't give it away just yet. Why not? Don't give it away. Why not? No. Why not? No. We want to get them excited. Just have to stick around and find out what it is. It's a good one. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited too. But, uh, well, um, so since she's not letting me give you, you know, give you, you know, I can't give you anything. Um, I guess that'll, that's where we'll stop this. So please comment, like, follow, share, subscribe, rewatch. Even if, even if you don't actually watch it, just, just hit play and like leave the room. So yeah, count, so it counts it, as a view. It doesn't bother you. Yeah. So it counts <laughs> as a view Yeah. and just, you know, loop it. Just, you know. Yes. Continue. Yeah. Go to work. Have a plan. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> all, all of all of our videos. Yes. Um. um but yeah. It, um. I, I did all the things right. Like, share, subscribe. Yeah. That's you know. it. Uh, keep liking us. Keep following and uh, help us grow. Yep. Share with your friends. Until next time. This is opinionated. It's <clears throat> opinionated. Well, it's one person's opinion. Still the best opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm Howie. And I'm Allie. Bye. That's how the cookie crumbles. Oh yeah, I forgot. That's how mm-hmm. the and that's, that's the way the, the cookie crumbles. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Yeah, because that's you know, because he does it with Walter Cronkite. That's the way the, the cookie, cookie crumbles. crumbles. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Bye. Bye.